Welcome to the official podcast of the Milwaukee Brewers. This is Brewers on Tap. Here's the pitch. A Time to tap the keg with Lane Grindle. Well, hello everyone and welcome to another edition of Brewers on Tap. Lane Grindle with you back in Wisconsin. Feels good to be back in Milwaukee. The season is upon us. Welcome to the 2018 championship season. The Brewers off to a very good start at 4-1. and one. Of course, that sweep in San Diego to start up the season. Coming home, home opener on Monday against the Cardinals. That was spoiled by St. Louis, but one of the most dramatic wins you'll ever see on Tuesday night in game number two at Miller Park. We'll get into all of that in just a few moments. The Brewers set their 25-man roster last week, basically on Thursday morning before opening day. There were maybe some surprises on that opening day roster. Some of them were fairly short-lived. Maybe the biggest was G-Man Choi making the opening day roster. So essentially the Brewers, when they took the field on Thursday against the Padres, had four first baseman on the roster, Eric Thames, Ryan Braun, Jesus Aguilar, and G-Man Choi. Had you wondering how that might work out? Well, for one game, it worked out exactly as it should have, as G-Man Choi in extra innings came on, collected a double, ended up scoring the go-ahead and the winning run for the Brewers. He was then optioned out to Colorado Springs the next day because the Brewers had signed left-handed reliever Dan Jennings, the former Miami Marlins, Chicago White Sox. Of course, he was a member of the Tampa Bay Rays at the end of the season last year. Brewers actually saw him at Tampa Bay last year in St. Petersburg right after the trade deadline when he first got sent to the Rays. Dan Jennings, a lefty who can really specialize in getting lefties out, but he can get righties out too. He can give you a full inning. He can give you multiple innings. Dan Jennings has been an effective reliever over the course of his career. Brewers signed him on Friday, and he was activated and immediately had an impact on the win on Friday for the Brewers coming in and getting a double play ball right at, uh, right away to get out of the fifth inning and then pitching a scoreless sixth inning as well for Dan Jennings. So uh, everything from a roster manipulation standpoint has gone exactly as the Brewers front office had planned at least one week into the season. So very, very exciting. Let's listen in on this San Diego series on some of the key moments on how the Brewers were able to sweep the Padres. The stretch, now the pitch. Swinging and a bouncer in the right center of base hit. And Choi's going to score. And the Brewers have the lead. Orlando Arcia hit one in the right center. Myers made the charge, tried to pick it up. It got by him, and that was all Choi needed. I think he would have scored anyway. Get up! Get out of here and gone for Ryan Braun! lead with Ryan Braun knocking one out of here. His first hit of the season in a ballpark that he has loved to hit in. He just knocked one out of here. From the windup. Here he comes. Swinging a pop-up. This one should end the game. Eric Thames backpedaling and it's over. 
and the Brewers sweep the Padres. Jacob Barnes comes in, faces the minimum three to end this game. Final Brewers seven, Padres three. And, of course, we told you the Brewers had Easter Sunday off. And then Monday and Tuesday, Cardinals in town. That series actually finishes up on Wednesday night before the Cubs come to town. But on Monday and Tuesday, Monday, that home opener at Miller Park, always like a holiday around uh, not just the city of Milwaukee, but the entire state of Wisconsin. Tailgaters were out. Everybody was fired up. Unfortunately, the cooler weather and a score that didn't favor the Brewers soured things a little bit but that's the beauty of baseball you get to come back the next day and try again brewers dropped their first game of the season on monday in that home opener but tuesday night after the cardinals jumped out to a four nothing lead with three home runs for the cardinals off of chase anderson the brewers bullpen with five scoreless innings on the mound keeping the brewers within striking distance and they got it all the way back to four to three before the bottom of the ninth let's let Bob Euchre take you the rest of the way. Dominic Leone, all set to work. Here it is. Yelich sends one to right center and deep. Get up! Get up! Get out of here and gone for Yelich! He has tied the game with a booming home run into right center field. No doubt about that one. And the Brewers have tied the game with a Christian Yelich home run. It's his first of the year, and a no doubt about that one. On a big home run, the pitch. Ryan Braun sends it to left center and deep. Get up! Get out of here! Gone for Ryan Braun! He just hit a walk-off out of here! And the Brewers have come from behind to beat the Cardinals back-to-back home runs with two outs in the ninth inning. Ryan Braun wins it with a walk-off. Yelich tied it, and Braun does it, and the Brewers come from behind to beat St. Louis. 5-4 Brewers on back-to-back home runs with two outs in the ninth inning. Pretty fun stuff. One of the more dramatic wins uh, we've seen at Miller Park over the last couple of years. And felt like it had some meaning to it as well, as this team now has won four games out of their first five, and three of those four wins have all come in some sort of dramatic fashion. Extra innings on opening day in San Diego. The home run from Ryan Braun uh, late in the ninth inning against the Padres in the second game of the season. Then, of course, the back-to-back jacks by Yelich and Braun on Tuesday night. Really been only one game so far where you kind of kick your feet up and enjoy the Brewers flexing their muscles from start to finish. So, a uh, very positive start for the crew. Uh, they're right where they needed to be coming out of the gate and a pretty fast start for the Brewers. One of the guys that helped them do that was opening day starter Chase Anderson as we begin with our clubhouse conversation. Uh, I don't consider myself a platoon player right now. I'm still early in my career. I feel like I'm an everyday player and 
2015, when I got the opportunity to hit against lefties, I did a pretty but good job. It's different for everyone. Um, I think every every hitter has their own plan. But whatever your strong suit is, that should be uh, your plan. But once I got up, I, it was a little bit of a mentality. It was... Um, it wasn't pitching to my strengths. It was trying to pitch to the hitter's weaknesses, and that's where guys get caught up in uh, trying to do too much. Now for the clubhouse conversation. Brewers opening day starter Chase Anderson is our guest. And Chase, uh, six innings, you give up a hit, no runs. I mean, that's about as good as you could have hoped for first time out. Uh, is it nice to have that behind you a little bit? Yeah, it is. You know, I think the biggest thing is that we got the win. You know, our team got the win. The guys fought hard um, to get that win in extra innings. Um, the pitching was great all, you know, all around for our team. Uh, even their team pitched pretty well overall. Um, it was a great great day to, you know, to pitch. And, you know, couldn't start anywhere better than San Diego. It, it seemed like you really had everything kind of going. The curveball looked good. The changeup's always kind of there for you. Um, yeah, what, did you have to search for anything as the game went along? Kind of. I was getting a little tired, just I think because I, I had the stomach flu the prior four days yeah. to starting, and I was a little bit under the weather still. So my strength was still not where I wanted it to be. But you know, you got to gut it out. You know, they put trust in you to be opening day starter, and I wasn't going to miss that opportunity. If, uh, you had to kill me for that one to happen. So uh, I think I had to. I think just searching as the game went on for uh, just trying to still have the strength to fill my pitches and get out front with all my stuff. Because I think the biggest thing looking back is I walked three guys, and that was the biggest thing that I didn't. I didn't like about that outing. So uh, that's something to definitely improve on. As you look back on the fact that you were the opening day starter, when a year ago you were really battling for a spot in the rotation when camp broke, how amazing is that to you? How, how much things can change and how, how far you've come just in that amount of time? You know, a lot of work has gone in, not just on my part, but, you know, Derry Johnson, uh, the front office has done a lot of stuff for analytics to help me out. And, uh, you know, I just try to mold and evolve as a pitcher to, to get better because, you know, if you don't, you're not getting better, you're getting worse. And next thing you know, you're not, you know, you're out of a job. So, like last year, I was battling for position I think the year before that as well I mean I kind of always have in my career and I think that's just kind of made me who I am and uh you know I took the same mentality um after signing the contract extension and coming in this year to, to continue to prove myself and compete at a high level because uh, I think that's that's what makes me me thrive um we look back to the half of uh also break at 16 that's kind of when I started to make that and then turn that turn the page and get better at what I needed to get better at with the new curveball grip getting more comfortable with that throwing the cutter a little bit in 16 but really implementing that as a fourth pitch in 17 and then using the, my strengths um, as pitching top of the zone, using that, changing the eye level with the changeup and the curveball. So just having four pitches has been a big thing for me, and so a lot of credit for that goes to Derek Johnson. You mentioned the analytics part of it and how that has helped you too. How much of it is studying and being prepared and understanding how you want to attack hitters, and do you feel like that's where you've grown a lot beyond just your stuff playing so well? Yeah, I think so. I think uh, just understanding how my stuff plays and then how the analytics backs that up uh, with the four seam up top of the zone has uh, you know a high spin rate and that, that definitely helps out it comes out of the hand looks like a strike then it just kind of takes off and hitters don't see it till late and they're already making, committed to, up to swing so um, seeing the stuff that DJ has presented to me from the front office to kind of help me get to this next to ne- this next level and you know I'm thankful for that because I don't think I'd be here without a lot of people in the, supporting me and trying to make me better that really adds a new dimension to the term connected which has been a theme of this clubhouse really for the last couple of years with Craig Council but it, that goes beyond the guys that are sitting in front of lockers. That goes all the way up to the front office. Yeah, because I think as a collective group, Dave and his uh, his, uh, his group 
uh, have really just tried to get the best out of each player on the roster, and they wanted to help each other, everybody out um, as best way they could. And that was definitely a way that I could see myself improving and continuing to get better and, you know, um, get to this next level and continue to hopefully to compete at a high level for a long time. So, uh, you know, I'm very thankful for them. Chase Anderson is our guest here on Brewers on Tap. Okay, I got to ask you about the the run you scored. Uh, you scored the only run in the game until the uh, ninth inning when the Padres were able to tie it up, and uh, it wasn't the most graceful slide, as you know. And you hit your head. Uh, yeah. You got injured last year. Yeah. Uh, you injured your oblique on a swing. Was your first reaction when you hit your head as you slid was, oh, oh no, here I go again. Here's another injury. Not pitching. Maybe a little bit, but uh, you know, I, I hit. I was like, oh, that hurt pretty bad. Came out, I was bleeding a little bit, and uh, I just tried to come to. I don't know if I blacked out or what the case was, but I came up. I was like, man, I'm, I'm in kind of some pain right now. And I, Dan Wright came and brought me in the dugout, did some stuff with me to make sure I was okay. And you know, after a couple minutes, I was able to come to and kind of get my senses back and wasn't seeing stars. But uh, you know, I need some sliding practice to say the least. Um, but you know, I, I haven't crossed home plate in a while, so I think that was the biggest thing. You don't do it all off season, so I think um, for me. To make the decision a little earlier to slide would be would be helpful, and uh, to you know hopefully make the I don't think the play would have been close if I would have stood up, but I didn't know if I needed to slide or not, so I just slid at the last minute and uh, definitely uh, I want to make it count and hit the plate with my face, so it counted. You know, yeah. with, with replay these days, you know they can look back and say, okay, he, he was safe. <laughs> you could show him your tongue and say, I licked the plate. Yeah, exactly. You almost did. <laughs> exactly. Good um, At the exact moment that happened, I doubt you got a lot of grief from your teammates, but how quickly <laughs> did that start in? Um, I think after they knew I was okay, they started giving me crap for that. Uh, I'm just, JJ, I think, said yesterday to the media, like, yeah, I think we need to bubble wrap our pitchers when they go to the plate. I thought that was a funny joke. So I think the biggest thing for uh, for us is to make sure that we're, we're careful on the base pass and uh, we don't want to get any of those uh, those guys in the clubhouse making fun of us for doing silly things on the baseball field because, you know, we want to look like real athletes, and I think we're the real athletes on the field, the guys on the mound. Those are the real athletes, you know. We always get crap for not being athletes, so I think we got to make it a better rap for ourselves and, uh, you know, I think I rounded the base as well. I, I ran the base pretty decent, but when I got to home, it just kind of went, it's kind of yard sale. It was, it was just a tough dismount, that's all, right? The, the routine was good, the yeah, dismount exactly. was rough. Yeah. Chase Anderson is our guest. How, how nice has it been now to come back with with both Manny and Jet and, and Steven when he gets healthy and having another year that you've worked with them now? That's that's huge. I think for all the pitchers, we love throwing to any of those guys. Um, Steven, uh, Steven sticks out to me because he he comes over the, the trade um, from the A's and he wants to catch a bullpen immediately. And it was Jimmy Nelson's bullpen last year in Cincinnati, and I'll never forget that moment. Like, okay, this guy really wants to be a part of this group and what we're doing. And you look what he did for us. I mean, Jet has been. I threw to him majority last year, and I'm super comfortable with him. And then Manny towards the end of last year, and then and you know yesterday, uh, all those guys are. As Jet would say, I take this for him a lot, is or a treat to throw to just because I think the biggest thing is they care about us and we care about them and we have that connectivity of, uh, you know, we want to win the game. And it's not one guy, you know, you shake him off, he doesn't get upset. It's like, okay, yeah, I'm in this with you, so you shake, you got this, you feel better about that pitch. There's no hard feelings. And, you know, I'll be, I, I try to go with what the catcher is going to throw anyways to get in that rhythm and that groove, and then they feel you out as the game goes. I don't shake too often just because I think when you shake, the more you shake the, the rhythm, kind of you kind of lose that rhythm and tempo. So I like to keep that rhythm and tempo because you always feel like you can make your pitches better. There were some guys added to the roster this year. It's been well talked uh, talked about a lot, obviously, with Lorenzo and Christian and Matt Hours. Has it impressed you how this front office has added guys that aren't just good players, but they're the right fit for this group? Because it's pretty unique what you guys have in the clubhouse. It really is. I mean, you look at Christian Yelich, what he's done in Miami, and then I can't imagine what he's. It's going to be crazy what he's doing in Miller Park, hitting balls. I mean, 
I watched him take BP in spring training. I was I was very very, very impressed. And you see this guy, and then Lorenzo Cain, just what he he's done. He's a you know a true five tool player. Um, really really increases our uh, our offense that was already good. So you look at those two guys at the top of the order with Bronny and Thames and a VR and Sogard and RCA. It's just so deep. Our offensive group. We're going to score runs, and I think. Uh, they both have uh, gold glove caliber defense too, so it helps us out on both sides of the ball. But to see this front office step up and see that we want we're ready to compete now, uh, it's definitely exciting and it puts expectations on things. And I think for us as players, it it's, kind of makes us uh, we expect to win every game. Congrats on a great first time out, and uh, look forward to seeing you back at Miller Park. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Looking forward to it. Let's crunch the numbers in Saber Metrics 101. Let's jump into Sabermetrics 101, and we're going to focus on the Padres series specifically here. And to be honest with you, this is going to be less about Sabermetrics and more just about marveling at the impact that Christian Yelich and Lorenzo Cain have brought to the Brewers lineup in just a short, tiny amount of time. We're going to, again, specifically look at their numbers in that Padres series. It's very rare that you go acquire two players of the magnitude of Lorenzo Cain and Christian Yelich, and then right out of the gate, they start to show their worth. You don't have to wait for any of the returns at all. It just started happening right away. So let's look at some of the numbers. Again, this isn't going to be as sabermetric-y as as some would like. Instead, it's just going to be some straightforward numbers on these two. Christian Yelich, over that three-game series against the Padres, one for four, one for five, and then, of course, the five-for-five game on the Saturday night contest in the final game of the series. Through the three games, he also had a double. He drove in three runs. He drew a walk. He only struck out twice. He had an OPS of 1.104. That's good, in case you were wondering. 1,104, essentially, depending on how you want to say it. But the OPS was out of control. Now, look, you can't get too caught up on the OPS over three games. But still, you'd rather have that number be good than not be good. For Lorenzo Cain, three for five, two for five, three for four. Three doubles over the final two games of the series. Three RBIs over the final two games of the series. Three stolen bases total over the course of the series. One stolen base in each game. He had an OPS of 1.386. Again, take it with a grain of salt, but very impressive. In all, 18 hits between the two, six driven in, and 20 times between the two of them in a three-game series that they were on base. It's staggering. Those are amazing numbers. Again, it's three games. They just happen to be the first three games of the year. You don't want to overstate it, but this is not just what you had hoped for and had anticipated with these two guys when they joined the Brewers lineup, but well beyond it. It will probably be hard for them to sustain those kind of numbers, but even if they do 70% of that, it's going to be a really good year for the Brewers, and they're going to score a lot of runs because these guys have changed the dynamics at the top of the lineup for the Brewers. They're putting the ball in play. They're not striking out much. You've already seen more 4-3 RBI groundouts. Sack flies to center field. You've already seen the Brewers manufacturing a little bit more from a run-scoring standpoint beyond just the long ball. Now, hey, lightning struck twice with Yelich and Braun on Tuesday night against the Cardinals, and that's still 
the best way to score. It's the most exciting way to score. But it's important if you want to have consistency in your offense to be able to score in different ways. And the Brewers look like a team right now. They're going to be able to do that at a better clip than they've been able to do it the last couple of years. Okay, it's time to catch up with the crew and Aaron Perez. Braun sends it to left center and deep. Get up! Get up! Get out of here and gone again for Ryan Braun. He just hit another three-run shot out of here. Time to catch up with the crew. Aaron Perez is our guest here at Miller Park, and uh, this team, how it's come together so quickly and, and gotten out of the gate so strong. What what's been the key, in your opinion, with with this group compared to last year's group to the year before? Uh, Thanks for having me, having me here. Uh, as you know, we have a lot of a lot of new guys, a lot of new faces in this team. I think the spring training was the key. We all get connected in spring training, and from beginning of the season, we've been connected. I think going to be the big key for us in the in the season. You know, we always talk with you about your versatility, and with the depth that this team has, that's going to create different opportunities, different ways for you to get in the lineup. So again, I'm sure you're very thankful for that, right? Yeah, I always thankful for that. I'm going to be I'm going to be preparing myself every day. Uh, when not playing, I know I, I can have the big opportunity in the game to change the game and win the games. So I want to be ready. Whenever they need me, I want to be ready for it. You, you played a lot of outfield last year. One would assume that may not happen as much this year with, with as many outfielders as the Brewers have. And so you may get more time in the infield, which is really what you were more naturally built to play, probably coming up, and what you played for the most part throughout your career. Does that make you happy that you're going to spend most of your time probably at second base or up the middle maybe at third yeah yeah that made me happy but I think I'm more happy because I'm here with this team the great great team great guys I think if I get opportunity I'm going to enjoy if I if I, at least I'm here in the team I'm going to be happy all the time that's my I know my role I know I'm going to have time to play I know I, I know I'm going to have my opportunity to to help the team and let's see what happens and wait for the opportunity and do my best. What have you been able to learn from being around a guy like Lorenzo King, another right-handed hitter who's had a lot of success in this league? Have you been able to pick things up from him? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Lorenzo is a great guy. I, I, I learned from him, like, when you when you like when the lights coming on you have to play hard like he play a hundred percent every day he don't waste a bat he he don't give up and i think every bat from him is important so i learned that like you don't have to give up you have to fight like battle every time every time you go on the field you have to battle for it all right your son christopher is a sensation everybody talks about him he, he steals the show all the time how neat is it that the brewers embrace that and, and allow you to have him around the team and and, and allow him to to really grow up around the game. Isn't that a cool experience? Yeah, it is a cool experience. I'm thankful too because Craig, the skip, give me the opportunity to bring him to the clubhouse. Uh, he can be part of the team because always, always when he came to the dugout, everybody's happy. Everybody enjoy see Christopher here. And when I don't bring him, everybody asks me for him. So I'm thankful thankful that he can come here and enjoy the game too. When did you realize he was good at impersonating all the other Brewers' batting stances and swings? Actually, that was last year. I mean, when he doesn't come to the game, he watch the game TV. I think it's more closer to the TV and he can like see perfectly what, what they do. And now... I don't know how he did it. I never teach him how to do it. Um, I mean, he's amazing. A couple years ago, when you were really getting your, your feet settled in here with the Brewers, you were a young, fairly inexperienced player. Now, I mean, this is year three, really, for you. Real, 
year four, really, for you with the Brewers. Do you feel kind of like a veteran now in some ways? Some way I feel like, but I know I have more veteran guys above me. So I, I don't I don't try to be a veteran. I just try to be a guy, like, younger guy can follow, like, the way I play, the way I be in the dugout when I don't play. That's my idea. I don't want to be like that veteran guy. Like, like he, he's, like, always... Like pushing the, the the young guys, I want them to watch HP. Like, okay, HP work hard. He do the right thing. That's the way I want to be seen. All right, last question. Back at Miller Park, and, and you've grown very very fond of this place. How how great is it to be back in front of these fans? It's so great when, when you when you get to the, to the park and you see those fans cheering for you. I think they are amazing, and I hope they keep cheering for us. And let's see if we can give them the championship. HP, we appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Checking in on the farm. Well, the Brewers' full-season minor league rosters are set, and it certainly would appear that there is a healthy amount of talent from A all the way up to AAA. Both AA Biloxi and AAA Color Springs have a high number of Brewers' top 30 prospects, also a decent amount of players with MLB service time on them. The Sky Sox, just as an example, and you expect some of this, obviously, with the AAA team, but they're going to support a guy that was a 2020 player, 20 home runs and 20 stolen paces last year in Major League Baseball in Keon Broxton. A guy like Brett Phillips, who has MLB service time. Last year's opening day starter on the mound in Junior Guerra, and a 10-year MLB veteran in Andres Blanco. Uh, on top of it, you're going to see Corbin Burns in Colorado Springs. You're going to see Freddie Peralta in Colorado Springs. Taylor Williams, who nearly made the opening day roster, is going to be in Colorado Springs. Aaron Brooks, who's pitched at the major league level before in his career. Behind the plate, you're going to have Christian Bethencourt, along with prospect Jacob Nottingham. Bethencourt was with the Padres just last year. G-Man Choi, who already has helped the Brewers win a game this year, he's going to be in AAA. Mauricio Dubon, who's getting close to being ready to help the major league club. Uh, of course, Cactus League veterans like Nate Orff and Kyle Wren are going to be on those teams, uh, on that team. Quentin Berry, who was a part of the September call-ups last year for the Brewers. This is going to be a really talented team with a lot of experience and a lot of major league service time at the AAA level for the Brewers of Colorado Springs. Double-A Biloxi has Nick Franklin going there. He's going to try his hand at catching, which is a little bit of a surprise to some. Some of us that have been around the organization the last year aren't totally surprised because Nick Franklin always seemed to have the catching gear on and warming somebody up in the bullpen or doing whatever the Brewers needed him to do. He's going to try his hand at catching. So that'll be interesting to see how he can transition to being a catcher. He's a very versatile guy. I'm sure he'll play some infield and some outfield in Biloxi also. Uh, You have Tyler Heineman, who's going to be part of that catching core in Biloxi, along with Dustin Hool, who the, the Brewers like a lot. And then a lot of the prospects that were in high A last year with Carolina going to be in double-A. Jake Gatewood ended the year last year in double-A. He'll be back there. Lucas Ersig, who uh, actually finished the year last year in triple-A as a part of the Sky Sox playoff run, but spent the entire year, really, essentially, in high-A with Carolina. He's going to be in double-A with the Shuckers as well. The outfield will be made up of last year's opening day outfield for Carolina, and that's Trent Grisham, Corey Ray, and Troy Stokes. So should be a really fun team. Uh, it's going to be interesting to watch them as uh, the season goes forward in double-A with the Biloxi Shuckers. Class A Advanced Carolina, year number 
number two in the Carolina League for the Brewers. And uh, they're excited to be back with the Carolina Mudcats. Brewers now own the Carolina Mudcats. This is a fun organization. I had a chance to go down to Zebulon, North Carolina last year and check out the facilities and everything else. A lot of good buzz. Just a great minor league franchise. And the Brewers will send uh, former first-rounder Nathan Kirby. Finally healthy. Finally going to get back on the mound. That's going to be a guy to watch. Uh, this year, I think, with the Carolina Mudcats, a lefty that certainly has good stuff and should play well now that he's healthy. Marcos Deplon's going to be back in high A to start the year. Brewers hoping he can take a big step forward and be ready to, to move through the system a little bit this year. Trey Shupak is back as well, and uh, that's a guy that uh, had a good year last year. He pitched well in Class A uh, in the Midwest League with the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers, eventually got promoted to Carolina, and pitched well at times for Carolina, too, last year. And then, of course, the big name there is Keston Hero. The second baseman is going to start the year in high A. We'll see if he's a quick riser through the system this year. Certainly looked like a guy that could be over the course of spring training when he was in the Major League camp. Keston Hero last year's first round draft pick and looks to be the best hitter in the draft, at least so far. And then Class A Wisconsin is going to have a, a really a host of 2017 draft picks uh, and some 2016 draft picks as well that are going to come together to form up that team. A couple of guys back seven total back from last year's Wisconsin team. Trevor Morrison's back, but uh, Demi Oromoloy will be back. Gilbert Lara is going to be back with Wisconsin uh, also. So seven guys total that spent time last year with the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers are going to be back and be a part of the team again this year. Tristan Lutz, probably the guy that I would tell you to keep an eye on. Lutz is young, very young. He's not even 20 years old yet. He's still just 19 years of age, but he looked really good last year. This is going to be his first full professional season. He's an outfielder, 6'3", 220, big-time bat with good power. That's going to be a guy to keep an eye on. Also, keep Keep an eye on a couple of catchers with Wisconsin. K.J. Harrison, the Oregon State draft pick from last year in the third round. And then Peyton Henry, the sixth-round draft pick from 2016. Both of those guys performed well with Helena a year ago. And then maybe an arm that I would keep an eye on is Carlos Herrera. Uh, Herrera, just uh, just over 20 years of age, really talented guy that pitched well at times last year uh, as well and actually finished the year in Wisconsin last season. So that's a look around down on the farm now it is time to take a look at what's on tap here's what's on tap well here is what is on tap this homestand continues uh, against the cardinals on wednesday and then it wraps up that's Jolie Chassin against carlos martinez the fireballer for the cardinals the Carlos Martinez, one of the top arms in the National League. And then, of course, the Cubs come to town for four, right out of the gate. Four with the Cubs at home. Brent Suter and Kyle Hendricks on Thursday. Brandon Woodruff and Hugh Darvish on Friday. Zach Davies and Jose Quintana on Saturday. And then the series finale will pit Chase Anderson against Tyler Chatwood at Miller Park before the Brewers get on the road and get ready to take on the St. Louis Cardinals down in St. Louis. So, uh, 10 in a row currently the Brewers in the midst of between the Cardinals and the Cubs. Nothing like jumping right into that NL Central uh, division battle right out of the gate. But that's the way that everybody would want it. That's going to do it for us. Thank you so much for joining us this week for Brewers on Tap. Episode number 111 is in the books and we thank you for tuning in. We'll talk to you again next week from St. Louis. I'm Lincoln. Brewers! 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 Brewers!